David the statue is utterly sublime. What errant nonsense. Uh, in Paris, I visited Rodin's The Kiss, magnificent marble, nude couple embracing. Uh, a class of six-year-olds were there being asked questions about marble and sculpting. Not one of them turned a hair mm. at the nudity. What's wrong with us? This person said. Yeah, not us, them. Yeah, you know, we, I don't yeah we're all right. I like the statue. I don't mind a willy. Uh, and someone said, a willy is a willy. That sums it up perfectly. You're on the panel. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed. RNZ National, Alan McGrawn and Sarah Sparks with me this afternoon. In other news, as insurers work through tens of thousands of claims after Cyclone Gabrielle and the Auckland floods, there are concerns people may get tired of waiting and try and do their own DIY fixed jobs. The problem is they could be putting themselves and others at risk from asbestos contamination. The biggest issues are from things like textured ceilings, old linoleum or vinyl flooring and cladding. Well, Jason Cattrall is with us now uh, as a hazardous materials director with Moorcroft. Jason Cattrall. Kia ora, Jason. Kia ora, team. How are we? I'm very, very well, but tell you what, reading about this issue, I kind of got an inkling of how significant it was. You're talking about any building built before 2000 likely to have some asbestos in it. Am I right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Our housing stock is a little bit older than perhaps other first world countries. Um, And so uh, we're getting on for probably around a third, possibly more properties built before 2000 are likely to have asbestos. Uh, Some of them are Easy to spot the textured ceilings, as, as you've said. Uh, the vinyl flooring can be more of a hidden problem, but but yes, it's very common. Well, that's a surprise, and that means that many, many thousands of people flooded would have this issue, uh, Jason, of whether or not I go DIY. What are the issues with going DIY in this situation? Well, we've got some pretty good legislation for the workplace, um, both the... Um, um, uh, the Asbestos at Work Act through WorkSafe and our um, health providers is is quite uh, robust. However, there's not much legislation to help homeowners. So although homeowners are able to do pretty much whatever they want, uh, there's not much education out there to help them through the process. So it is strongly advised to uh, to get some assistance and get some help. Um, you know, we've come across properties, especially on the East Coast at the moment with the... Uh, yeah the flooding and the storms where you've got a significant number of uninsured people and so there are people who have little or no option but to try and remediate the properties themselves. Before we go to the panel, remind us, remind us um, why asbestos is a health hazard. Well, it's New Zealand's largest workplace killer with around 200 mesothelioma cancer deaths every year. Um, It's it's incurable. Um, it takes many, many years to develop. Um, asbestos fibres themselves are not really readily visible to the naked eye. Uh, and so if you breathe them in, you might not be aware of it for 20 years and then you get extremely, can potentially get very sick uh, and there's, uh, there's little or nothing you can do about it. So the best, uh, the best option is to tread very, very carefully around it, get some good advice um, and uh, try and avoid DIY. My goodness. I hear you, Jason. Sarah. Uh, when I looked at this, I thought, uh, yes, there needs to be a campaign targeting those that obviously have the provisions and funding, you know, to engage 
someone to come and remove it. But I also know that there's a whole cohort of people out there who who are struggling. We were struggling before and struggling even more now. So I would anticipate that there should be some work done with specific communities that have been hardest hit to prioritise a need like this because because of the health and and safety issues. And then for for there to be some financial um, investment so uh, there could be this work taken out in an area uh, and planned uh, then, you know, if you leave it and people are already stressed, they will take things into their own hands just to sort it. Um, yeah, and we, that's we human nature. Across, yeah. yeah. We, we come across this all the time. Absolutely. Week, we, uh, we, we went down to the East Coast and, uh, and had a look at some properties that were affected, uh, and we mm. could tell immediately a, a couple of them that we spoke to weren't insured mm. uh, and, and really didn't have the money to remediate themselves. So at that point, they start, you know, getting friends and family involved. And if you have a textured ceiling that's collapsed into a silt-filled living room uh, and you get your neighbours, kids and friends of the far now to, to help you uh, uh, clean it up, then you're putting everybody at risk. Ellen? Yeah, it's uh, like it does say it's the Kiwi way, isn't it? The number eight word, <laughs> do, the, do the DIY yourself, you know, get the friends and family involved, especially if you're saving saving money but uh yeah maybe i i i didn't know about this you know yes. so now i'm worried That's about paying the mortgage on me asbestos riddled <laughs> house you know i've doubled the worry now <laughs> thanks wallace you've come to hear you're worried let us oh my goodness terrified all right um so what can be done what else can be done to make people more aware of the risk so for example we uh have a we have a, a, a 60s kind of modernist frame home uh, in the suburbs there. Pretty likely uh, some asbestos on it now that, you, now that you see, Jason. What can be done? What more can we do now that um, you, you've told us how significant this issue is? Well, the first thing I'd recommend is go to the, uh, either the health.govt.nz uh, website or the uh, worksafe.govt we- uh, website and type in asbestos in the search field. Uh, there's quite a lot of information for homeowners there that uh, just sort of uh, gives them some um, background information on the risks involved. Um, always a good idea to educate yourself first before you uh, proceed in any direction uh, and speak to uh, a competent uh, professional to get some advice. Um, you know, we give advice out every day free of charge. Um, we're, we're happy to talk to anyone who needs some, some assistance. Um, and most of the industry is the same. It's a small industry, and we're all massively overworked trying to cope with the workload at the moment of fixing this. But uh, but reach out to a local contractor, get some advice. And, and, and just one more thing. How how do I know that my house is asbestos? Um, well, so you can uh, employ a surveyor or an assessor to come and do some testing for you. Uh, it's not that expensive. Certainly if you have if you're looking up in your living room and you're seeing a a textured ceiling and, and, and you've got some question marks around that, it's less than $100 to have it tested. So it's not it's not a, a huge expense, but best that people just educate themselves first, find out what they're dealing with before they put a foot wrong. Good on you there, Jason. That's Jason Cattrall there from uh, well, he's a Hazardous Materials Director with Moorcroft, Jason Cattrall. You're on the panel on RNZ National. We have today Sarah Sparks, Communications Consultant, founder of Sparks Consulting, serving Kopap Māori equity and justice issues. We have Alan McRoy there, who's a comedian, actor, writer, pub expert. And can I just tell you something? We've been overrun with feedback regarding the statue 
David uh, and what do you make of that issue? And there's an overriding um, sentiment, Alan, that actually, and Sarah, that the body's beautiful. The body is something to be celebrated. Here's one. Why don't we have a naked day where anyone who wants to can walk around naked without fear of retribution? What's wrong with the human body? Nothing. It's beautiful. And um, someone said, can we extend that to the panel like a day a month? I'm sort of holding back on that on that idea uh, at the moment, but who knows in the future? I'll get them Mate. off me. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind. Okay. Like if someone accidentally stayed in a nudist camp a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, the body is beautiful. You did that? I I didn't do it. No, it's I. You know, it was too cold. But I thought it was two albino sea lions on the beach. I didn't know it was a nudist colony. <laughs> then I got closer. And went, ah! Okay, and I ran away. But the body is beautiful. That's yeah. Uh, panel: The statue of David had a fig leaf added to it in the 16th century that was only removed in 1912. They were worried about exposed genitalia. However, merciless oppression and murder of other races were deemed acceptable, says Andrew. Um, David says, look. David's genitals comprise far less than 1% of the statue, and yet the tractors are perversely intent on peering at them with yeah. magnifying glasses. I've said that. He said it better, but I've said it. Yeah, yeah good on you. It is 15 away from 5, the panel on RNZ National. It's our fifth largest city, but today we're asking just how dead is Tauranga? Yesterday, the chair of the downtown board told a council meeting that the CBD is in crisis with empty businesses and construction sending a message that it's a place to stay away from. Architecturally, it's never had, let's be fair, a huge amount of appeal and people do tend to favour that extraordinary beachside, the cafes and shops, or indeed the Bayfair Mall. But there is a $2 billion plan to try and bring it back to life. But is salvation out of reach? Well, Matt Crowley, Matt Cowley rather, <coughs> is the chief executive of the Tauranga Chamber of Commerce. Matt, kia ora. Kia ora, panel. Lovely to have you on, Matt. Is it fair to say the Tauranga CBD is dead? If I could teleport the panel to the CBD right now, you would certainly raise your eyebrows at a lot of the demolition and construction that's happening, and you would certainly empathise with a lot of the ground floor retailers at the moment. But when you see the demolition is actually associated with a lot of private sector investment to uh, to bring people back into the city centre, not only for work, but also the apartments, I would say it's quite hard to not see the light at the end of the tunnel, okay. but it's going to be bloody tough over the next few years to get there. Yeah, because the thing is, uh, look, this is not a unique issue, of course, uh, Matt, to Tauranga. I mean, many years, Wellington, for example, is grappling with the same issue. But it could be fair to say none quite to the extent of Tauranga where really that CBD uh, has been dire for so many years. No one goes there, Matt. Why? The key is ultimately Tauranga CBD needs more people living in it uh, to make it more than just a nine-to-five destination. But at the end of this year, this massive farmer's development will be releasing their apartments onto the market, and the University of Waikato has a lot of student accommodation in the pipeline as well. So it is getting there, and there's a lot of public investment too, but it's just going to be tough for the people that are trying to hold on.
What do you think, Alan? Because you were there uh, not so long ago. I was there last week, uh, last Wednesday. I do gigs there quite a lot. My daughter lives down there, so I'm there quite often. Uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of work being done on the roads. Uh, you know, traffic right. can be a nightmare. There are a lot of shops that are just empty for lease. But I still, like, you can see the potential. I do okay. love the pubs there, the restaurants. Right. Uh, we could do the escape room there. You're walking through a building site to get to it. But uh, I do see the potential. I love it. Okay. All right, Sarah? Yeah, you've got to take a long-term position here, yeah. right? I always think in terms of the seasons. So maybe, you know, you're going through a winter season. Spring is yet to be sprung. And it's more about taking the community with the vision and giving people hope. And that sometimes gets lost. Everyone gets busy doing, looking on the ground and doing the tactical stuff, the, the nuts and bolts. But actually, people need to be given hope so they can see and be inspired. And they hang in. But it's no fun if you're actually a business owner right in the middle of a building zone when people aren't, you know, coming into your cafe or or your shop. You know, we've seen it in Auckland. But I live in the CBD and I've heard the same corridor around the CBD. Absolutely. And I tell you what, there's a great newsletter called Vertical Voice that comes to me and it's always got really great things that are happening in the city that you'd never know about. And and the purpose of it is about connecting community. Because, I, because, Matt, just on the back of that, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that a thriving, humming, buzzy city, you can have your wonderful assets like you do in the mountain, the, the beaches, but you really do need that humming central business district, don't you? With your small lanes, perhaps, and the odd farmer's market day and a few bands or things happening. You know, the, the place where things happen. You look to the likes of laneways in Melbourne, you go... Why can't we have that here? Yes, yeah, spot on. There's a number of businesses that dripped down Cameron Road in the late 90s. They're now coming back because there's no amenity for their staff and it's hard for them to recruit. Their right. staff want to be where the action is, in those cafes, in those uh, museums and art galleries and, uh, and experiencing things. But to be frank, the downtown Tauranga chair has been on there for 10 years uh, and he's been saying the same old thing. So maybe it's a time for a, a bit of a change of face and change of leadership because mm. it kind of reflects on, on, uh, on, on his achievements, really. So is that, you've just brought uh, that up at the end there, uh, uh, Matt, is that also part of the story? Just a little bit of the changing of the garden. I know you uh, folks are um, doing that at the moment with the council. Yeah, so I think it, uh, in so many aspects, some some fresh leadership uh, across the, the civic community will be quite good to represent the new green shoots that are coming through. Good on you. Very good. Thanks for being with us. Matt Cowley there, who's the Chief Executive of the Tauranga Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and I've got to say, too, I, I don't, don't, don't want to be negative about Tauranga because I actually love it as well. I love you know, it. Really, uh, uh, but I was really surprised Same. the last time I went. Actually, gosh, it was really I quiet. was shocked when I seen the, the buildings, uh, the empty shops. But when you see it busy, like I don't know what that street is called, where all the, the bars and the open out onto this sort of shared uh, walkway. I, when it's busy and lovely like that, it's, uh, it's great. And you definitely see the potential and see how it's going to end up. Yeah. Uh, it is 10 minutes away from five. You're on the panel on RNZ National. This is a really interesting uh, piece of feedback here. The Diocese Wallace, I ran a living library of human books. Our books all had a different <coughs> walk of life. Our readers booked the one that appealed to them for a half hour chat. People chose books who they knew nothing about. For example, a black power gang member, trans person, 
a Muslim woman, a music therapist, a violence no more speaker. It's a very popular concept, a bit like chatting to the stranger on the bus. And really we need to say so many more of these people so they can begin to understand one another, not necessarily agree, but at least take one brick out of the wall. It was first conceived to break down the fears from the unknown and create a more peaceful society and community. So it's a uh, thing called the Living Library of Human Books. Isn't that interesting? I love it. And uh, I've heard of something similar in England called the Empathy Museum, where people actually, it was, the concept was around standing in the shoes of another and, um, you know, people from diverse cohorts. But that's brilliant. I'm going to Google and look it up. We might come back to that on the panel of the Living Library of Mm. Human Books. Ellen McElroy and Sarah Sparks joining me this afternoon. And thank you for, um, you know, uh, your feedback, your comments, your thoughts, uh, as always. Now, a man who ditched a job interview after waiting for over half an hour for someone to come in and get him has divided social media. Sharing his story on Reddit, the man who was applying for a driving job for a bakery said he wasn't sure he'd done the right thing. He'd waited for 35 minutes in reception after initially being told someone would be with him in five minutes. They say patience is a virtue. Should he have hung in there? Oh, to talk about this and see what uh, uh, they think of it, we have a Robin Gulovich, a recruitment consultant. Kia ora, Robin. Kia ora, Wallace. Well, this is a very interesting scenario, and it did have provoke a lot of response uh, online. What's, what's your thoughts? I mean, is leaving uh, someone who turned up for an interview waiting that long, is it reasonable? Is it just a little bit too long? What are your thoughts? I Look, I read that. I was a bit gobsmacked. Um, I mean, first of all, it's really inconsiderate and bad manners to do that to anybody, whether it was a job interview or anything. But when you think that somebody coming to a job interview is probably going to be a little bit nervous and, you know, they will have um, been thinking about the questions they might get asked and what they're going to say. And at the same time, the employer needs to remember they have a sort of being interviewed in reverse as well, you know. Ah, yes. Yeah, so I think very unprofessional. Um, and the fact that um, I would have a pretty unforgiving sort of thought around it is that they didn't keep him informed. So if somebody had trotted out and said to this poor guy after at least 10 minutes and said, you know, look, something's cropped up. Would you like to reschedule? Um, Do you want to do it another day? But we think it's going to be another 10 minutes or so on. And the fact that they couldn't do that or weren't interested in doing that means they didn't put any value on this man's time. Ah, Sarah. Yeah, I agree. First impressions, uh, every impression, right? The strongest and lasting. And for me, it was about them not valuing him. And it's that power master-servant type control dynamic, right, that some employer employers have with employees or future employees. Hang on. He is the one that's going for the interview. Mm. He's the one that wants the job. Um, hello? Yeah, but he's also a valuable resource. You know, look at our workforce shortages at the moment in this country. And isn't that a lesson in valuing your people? Okay, so, right. Yeah, Alan? like imagine how many times you'd have to be made wait if he got the job. You know, I've, I would have walked sooner. 
I've, if I go into a cafe or a bar and someone's they're just wasting time behind a bar and don't save you, I'll go somewhere else. How long's yeah. your limit? Yeah. I have a very short limit, but what I'm is self-employed. It? What is it? Five minutes. Wow. No, I, for a job well, you hear that, Robin? Five minutes <laughs> and the comedian's out of there. I, I, I tell you, I tell you a story, right? I used to work in a supermarket and the manager made a mess. He knocked the whole shelf over and then he called me to clean it up. And I said, that's your mess. And he said, no, I'm the boss, you clean it up. And I went, see ya. I walked. Like, there you go, master you know I mean? servant re- yeah, uh, exactly. dynamic. I'm not having that. That's really weird. That's really <laughs> strange, Robin. I don't know about what you... So what, what, what tips would you give to someone in this situation? Well, I think, the, you know, you can cut them a little bit of slack. Somebody could, at the last minute, have a call and they just have to take it. might be the chairman. Um, so you would take that call, but you would be... If you thought it was going to be a long call, you'd get... You'd let the you could quickly send a message to the receptionist. Yeah. Please oh. tell my interviewer interviewee um, I'm going mm. to be held up. So you'd expect somebody to come and look after him. And then I mean, really, if I was in that situation, I might be happy to sit there for five eight minutes. Um, I mean, not, a- at the doc- not at the doctors. You know, you could sit there for half an hour. Yeah, but, but, um, but 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 what about this? Oh, oh, and, and to Alan says, for goodness' sake, do you recall the Mainland Cheese TV ad that had the guy sit <laughs> there and he got the job? Because good things take time. That's the same with the Guinness. You have to sit there and wait for your Guinness, but that's not a job. Do you know what I mean? And there's only a bit of cheese. <laughs> It's only a bit of cheese. But it's their brand. I it's mean, they're not even... Brand, the employer yeah. is not looking after their own brand. The price they of cheese now as well. It comes yeah. down to manners. Manners exactly. get you everywhere and, and, you know, bring them back. Yeah. Especially in, in, in places like this. They, sh- they should have treated that man better. Yeah. yeah. I have walked out of two waiting rooms in 40 years. I do not mind waiting, but I do not like being ignored and not informed about the delay. This is rude Mm. and this is inconsiderate. And I think that's where we've got to, Robin. eh? We've got round and we've agreed that actually all they needed to do was go out and say, do you want a coffee? Do you want a biscuit? We've gone full circle. All you need to do is talk. Yeah, show some monarchy. Have a biscuit and talk. Yeah, Very good. Totally. That's All right, Robin, kia ora. Lovely. You've uh, solved it for us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, kia ora. That is uh, recruitment consultant Robin Agulovich there saying, yeah, actually, 35 minutes. It's, it's a bit long. Yeah. yeah. Five minutes, though, that's – you should – I'm self-employed. Okay. For a reason. <laughs> put, put the shoe on the other foot. If he was 35 minutes late for his job interview – Yep. Gonski, don't yeah. come Monday. Yes, yeah. Um, Wallace says, Grant says, you can be waiting one hour and 20 minutes for a blood test these days. Um, employers and employees have equal standing. They are, those such and such are not better than me. Fair enough? We are all born equal. Yeah. Yeah, a cup of coffee and make him feel welcome. There we have it. Beautiful. And on yeah. that note, I'm going to have a cup of tea. Have and a, a biscuit. wonderful biscuit. <laughs> thank you, Sarah Sparks. I'm Yoda. going to keep those. Uh, Ella McRoy, Sarah Kiora, thank you for your time. You've been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm Wallace Chapman. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen is right after five. I'm back tomorrow, 3.45. Thanks to my producer, Liz. Uh, see you then. <laughs>